This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. Uh, Happy New Year to all of our fans out there, and we are taking a brief reprieve from children's movie to revisit an adult movie one of us saw as a child. Uh, Taking a look back at A League of Their Own to see if our nostalgia is warranted. All right, Sarah, you brought this forward. You got a 60-second synopsis. Are you ready? Never, but sure. Perfect. Go ahead and give her a countdown, Mark. Three, two, one, go. All right. In 1998, Dottie is being forced by her daughter to come to the opening of, I guess, the Baseball Hall of Fame is opening a part for the women's league that happened in the 40s and 50s, which she was a part of. She then flashes back and remembers how it all started when she and her little sister Kit were part of a baseball game and working on a farm and John Lovett came and recruited them for the baseball league. They joined the Peaches, the Rockfort Peaches, and are given a manager of drunk Tom Hanks through various challenges with the other girls, including Madonna and uh, Rosie, and they eventually get it to the championships and they don't win, but they come back to the present day in the Hall of Fame and they all remember their great times being women in baseball. That's that's a fact. <laughs> well, uh, well done. I you mean, managed to get it in in sixty seconds, as described. I cut out half of the plot. But technically, okay. that is the plot. So uh, technically, um, going back to it. Well, let's get into long form. Uh, starting off the, with the the book end of the film, which is Rosie O'Donnell's last name. <laughs> yeah, you said you said, you Rosie. said Rosie. That's close. Uh, it could have been Rosie the Riveter. It could have been Rosie the Rosie was her robot talk from show, the right? Jetsons. The talk show was just uh, Rosie, right? It's entirely possible. Also, a View was one of her talk, or the View, not just a. Was she on that? The yeah, definitive yes. View. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch the View. Yeah. Oh, no one does. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, it just plays in, during the daytime while people don't watch it. People watch it in probably like hospital waiting rooms when they can't change the channel. Yes, that's their target audience. All right, but getting into long form, one correction I have to make with your 60 second <gasps> synopsis is that with the bookends of the film, the reveal at the end is that she is there for the Hall of Fame. Uh, in the beginning, I think she arrives at the ballpark. Or no, that might even be later. I think she just leaves the house, doesn't yeah. she? No, she arrives at the stadium, doesn't she? And I looks at she it. Was in her and car I think she looks at the stadium, yeah. and then it flashes back yeah, to when she was playing. Because when it flashes like, back, stick ball forward, with her sister. When she yeah. ends her memory, she's on the field. So I think it starts with her watching them play baseball, and that's what starts right. the thing. Right. Okay. But yes, that's the major reveal of the film is that, wow, they're making a section in the Hall of Fame of baseball for this amazing thing when there were women playing this professional sport. I mean, maybe it wasn't a reveal to me because I already knew that's what. Well, yes. I mean, but so 
I want to get into a, a problem we're going to have with the plot is that I don't feel like I should be recapping it. I feel like a lot of people have seen this and there's not enough like quirkiness or things to point out. I can't really make jokes about this film because it's just genuinely good. It I is. So I, as long as we're talking about like watching it as we were kids... I know I have seen it before because everybody knows the the line. There's no crying in baseball, and There's I remember no seeing this baseball. as growing up, and Tom Hanks yelling at everyone, and how he was the evil man in in the uh, dugout there. But I I do not remember anything about the flashback at all from watching it before. I always thought that was just the whole movie was them in the past. I never knew it was oh. a flashback. Oh, oh, okay. So I yes. don't know if I just blocked that from my memory or if I never actually saw the whole thing before. Yeah, it's the type of thing where, like, if this movie is on somewhere, I will sit down and watch it until completion. But that also means that I'm missing the beginning part a lot. Because I don't remember seeing that beginning part at all. I'm pretty sure I owned this on VHS. So I've seen all of it. I think, I mean, my catalog of VHS tapes is obviously out of date, but. <laughs> oh, um, you, you don't say it's out of date <laughs> since they stopped making VHS. But my, my one thing that I noticed, not necessarily this viewing, but in more recent views than what I saw as a kid is the fact that how good they're casting on the older versions, especially of uh, Gina Davis's character. Cause it is Gina Davis's voice. They yes. dubbed that in, but that is not her in old age or makeup. For a while, I just really? no. It is a completely different actress. I really yeah, and I thought it was the same person too until like all of them were showing up, and I was like, yeah, none of them it, it was can be the a same couple person. Of, it was probably a couple of viewings ago when I was like, oh yeah, that's that's not Gina Davis because her casting spot on. It looks like an older version of Gina Davis. It looks like they just did a really good old age makeup on her. And it's not. It's a completely different actress. All of them are completely different actresses. They dub in her voice. I think maybe, maybe, I don't know if they dub in any other voices with okay. the younger versions, but. Because I, I was curious about this and I looked it up on IMDb today looking at like the full cast list and I couldn't find anyone playing older Dottie. I went off of the voice, which it makes sense that they dubbed it in, which is Gina Davis's voice. Looking up now, it is Lynn Cartwright. Yes. And boy, howdy, one of the complaints I was going to have is why did they put Gina Davis in old person makeup <laughs> and then none of the other people? No, it's just... But apparently that's not a thing that they did. It's apparently just like the most crazy, accurate, older, like aged character casting in the world. And I think a lot of... Like that one's scarily accurate. That but was I think like a lot the first the... thing I thought looking at it though was like, wow, they have really good makeup department. But then all the other <laughs> people started showing up and I was like, well, none of them are re like, they yeah, are similar. Like they didn't put the money into making Rosie O'Donnell right? old. They look clearly. similar, yeah. but not close enough. Yeah. And the, the main one just looked so much like Gina Davis. But, but just... I do think they did pretty well on, on all of the older version castings where like, especially with the looks and also with teaching some of the mannerisms and stuff and being like, oh no, I know who that character is supposed to be. Especially with like Marla when she, she says something to daughter and she hunches her shoulder some a minute, like a bit. And you're yeah. like, oh no, that's Marla right away. Mm -hmm. And the, the banter between Rosie O'Donnell's character and Madonna's character yeah. that carries through to the older people as well. Yeah. I, I am amazed to find that out actually. 
Yes, that the acting they did was phenomenal. I think like the acting and the character work that they put into the storyline of this film is amazing. In like the little things that describe Tom Hanks's character, little things like the banter between uh, Dottie and Kit, like that sibling relationship portrayed in this film it, is like eerily accurate. It was not supposed to be that. Okay, so this movie was originally supposed to be like the original cut of this movie was four and a half hours long. That is how much stuff they That's got. Too long. Well, obviously they cut it down <laughs> by half, but that is how much how much storyline and stuff they originally had it was four and a half hours. And in the original thing, there was a romantic subplot between Oh, that would have been awful. Gina Davis between and, Tom, and Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And okay. And Penny I Marshall eventually cut it out. That, but you, you you can kind of see in some of the scenes, especially the scene on yeah. the bus, where yeah. that kind of echo is still in. But G, uh, Penny Marshall thought it would distract from all of the other stuff, and that wasn't really what this was about. It wasn't a romantic movie, and cut it. Yeah, I can see. I can understand why they would have to film that because, like, that's like the number one thing producers look for. They want a romance to carry and a I film. And I think Gina Davis and Tom Hanks have really good chemistry, so I could see why. Yeah. If you saw saw that as like producers and writers and stuff, be like, oh, why don't we we bank on that? But I think Penny Marshall mm-hmm. did make a good decision to ca- to cut that because one, it didn't need the romance. It's I think it's more about the platonic relationships, the the sisters the friends, that sort of thing. As also, And I also think it would get complicated with the fact, with the husband that does come back and he never does anything that's particularly bad. And maybe there was something that made it more complicated in the longer mm-hmm. cut, but he just seems like a nice Bill Pullman. No, yes, Bill yes. Pullman. Yes, Bill it's Bill Pullman. Pullman. Nice I Bill just, Pullman. I mean, people Paxton's tend dead. to expect romances in movies anymore. So it's kind of nice when there isn't one. But when you see the two of them talking throughout half of the movie, you kind of expect to see it and then nothing happened. But I know she talks a lot about how she has a husband. So it's, so it's kind of like you feel like it's going to happen. But at the same time, she always reminds you that she has a husband out there somewhere. Yeah. So you never right. know what's going on. But... <laughs> I think an easy way that they could have fitted in, and I don't know if there's the original cut or not. Uh, I wonder if just there was an alternate play out of that scene where the guy is delivering the telegram that someone has died. <sighs> and if it was Gina Davis's husband, that does open it a little bit to a romantic don't, subplot. Don't kill off Bill Pullman. He's died enough. He had like uh, two lines in this fair. whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. He's but great. I, I think in it was life. a really great choice and that the romance isn't important at yeah. all. I mean, she's married and that plays into the the character of Dottie as well, where it's really weird in a sports movie that the main character doesn't really care about the sport. Because yeah. she her character whole thing is that she's there to support her sister. This isn't her life. She wants to go back home. She, she wants to be a farmer's wife. Her life is set at the beginning of the she film. And she just wants to get back to that. And she's enjoying it. And yes, yeah, she does get competitive at times. But for her, it's more when she talks, when she leaves at the end to go back home with her husband, when he comes back from the war, she says, the things I'm going to miss are not the baseball. It's, mm-hmm. it's the other girls. It's you. It's things like that. Yeah, whereas uh, like every other girl on the team and Kit especially, they want a life like this baseball thing is their life, whereas Gina Davis is going away from the life that she wants to be here playing this game. And it's interesting in that like for a sports movie, the main character 
could leave the sport at any time and be fine. Like, she's not dying See, to win. but she does. And then, oh, look, we made it to the World Series. I'm going to show up for the last game and get my fame in here just because but I But I don't think yeah. she did it for the fame. I think she did it because, because she talks about it that, it, that she made it part of the way. And I don't think it was really the fame. I think it was the fact that he really got to her about the fact about giving up and stuff like that. And that's not what she didn't want necessarily need to win. Because she says later to Dottie, I didn't want it as much. And she didn't. She just, she wanted to finish out the season. She wanted to be there for her other teammates. Whether she won or lose, she needed to make it, finish that commitment, I think, was more of it than anything. Yeah, she wanted to go home not having, uh, like, failed this other life. Having done that to its natural conclusion and you know, let it lie. Because even at the beginning, when she is going to the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, she isn't sure she wants to go. Her daughter has to convince her to get into the car and actually go there to see all these other people because she hasn't thought about that life. Whereas for every other girl there, this was the most important time of their lives. Or if not necessarily the most important, but something very significant and something that they seem to have talked about a lot, whereas she seems to have brushed it off because the daughter says, when will you realize how important this was? And I love that it wasn't important to her, but has become important to so many other women uh, because she started something. She was a part of the start of this league that inspired women and, uh, to pursue their goals. And I do like that so much of this is based on real things. Like this league did exist. Um, yeah. The woman at the very end who mentioned something about, oh, that was the best player in the league. She's on the bleachers. She was a player in the league in the 50s. Um, there is, I checked on the Hall of Fame website, there is a section for this league. Like that, all sorts of stuff. Like there's obviously, it's a historical thing, like exaggerated stuff like that. But I mean, the women's league did exist. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more films like this because it's, it's a documentary in a way, but it's a documentary that makes you care about the people that are in it as opposed to just presenting historical facts. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. Mark, you have been very vocal to us offline about I how have? you, you didn't, didn't well, care about this film. Let, let's get into I got, it. What? I just felt nothing for any of them, actually. Um I guess I'm used to seeing Tom Hanks as the nice guy that everybody See? wants to love. And he the half of the movie, he was just yelling at people and he was the crazy drunk guy who was disgruntled after hurting himself and not being able to play anymore. So you, he has reasons for why he is that way. But I think well, my main alcoholic. problem was that bus scene because she goes over there to talk to him and he mentioned something about the husband being gone and how he could possibly die. And she's just like, oh, don't say that. And there's like no emotion to her at all. And I'm like, shouldn't you be sad or I, worried about your husband instead of just like going on and making jokes with some other guy while your husband is off fighting a war? But I think that's another thing with kind of the character difference between Dottie and then Kit with these sisters is she's very reserved and closed. She doesn't explode with these emotions. She isn't having all of these things on her sleeve. She is, these are my problems. They affect me. I'm not going to talk about Really throughout the film, except for maybe that scene, she very rarely talks about any of the fears about her husband, about the games, about anything. Even when talking to Kit, it takes the entire movie for her to finally say to Kit, 
I love you. Like, I'm sure they've done it other, other places, but in this whole thing with them getting so competitive about baseball and having this very high, like, emotional situation, it takes till that end scene for her to be able to come out and say no I miss you. I'm proud of you and have this scene. And so I don't, I think it's just, she's not a very good at being emotional with other people. I think that's just part of the character. But going back to Tom Hanks being a terrible person, I think that's probably why they cast Tom Hanks because he does have somewhat of a redemption arc. And if you cast someone who's naturally plays like these terrible jerk characters, you don't want, you don't care. You need someone who's likable. So when he's playing the jerk, he's still like, oh, it's, it's Tom Hanks. It's, he's a jerk, but it'll, come out in the well, end and i think that was the problem for me i i like tom hanks as an actor but you don't see him as that bad guy so when he's yelling at people i don't see that as real uh, it was okay. just see, him I, yelling at people like it, okay. i don't i didn't get i into really the liked him in much. this role i connected more i think i am more of a nostalgic like, person so like like the last five ten minutes of the movie i connected with more than anything else because oh, I- <laughs> them looking at old photos of themselves and remembering their pastimes when they were at are, their are peak you- and able to play games and stuff and now they're trying to relive that by going to the hall of fame and playing with each other again and like that was more more meaning to me than anything else that happened in the whole movie so yeah i mean that's a secondary emotional note now before we get too far away from it i want you to imagine uh having the actor who is known to be like a scumbag imagine that they put now that imagine that they put uh john lovitz in tom hanks's role he would not have the redemption arc he is known for being a jerk face and people loving that or people loving that he is a jerk face. Uh, but I want us to mention uh, something about Dottie's character as well, because I saw her as kind of the the small town farm girl mentality where there's work to do. Let's do the work where that's her mentality. If she has something to do, she is on it. Her husband is not there right now. There's other things to focus on. She is going to put a hundred percent of her effort into accomplishing the task at hand. Like she knows her husband is overseas. He's doing his thing. She will be there for him when he comes back. But right now he's not there. She's got other work to do. And you see her worry. I think there's a lot of things in this movie that are very, very subtle. And part of that is, is, Tom Hanks's redemption thing later because how they do it it's not this big hallelujah miracle he's a perfect guy now it's very very small things that you see the changes but for her she has the necklace thing where every time she's worried about her husband she does something with her necklace because there's a, I think there's a couple scenes where she does it, but when he, they come with the telegraph she she grabs the necklace and I think that's the sign of she's worried about something or thinking about her husband is that subtle grabbing something concrete to kind of settle herself and and not really sharing that with other people. Yeah, uh, you mentioned like the little things that they have for characters to do, and I loved the stuff that they gave Tom Hanks to do. In that, like the first time that we see him in that first scene, he is ripping up this prized rookie card that one of her players, uh, one of his players, Poor has Betty given. Spaghetti. Oh God, he just he rips up this card that means so much to her husband and just leaves it go, and then, and then he then, dies. Like later in the film, yes, it's it's very, very sad that the husband dies. But later in the film, we see that he is uh, taking time for kids to sign their baseball. And yes, he puts a joke on it, but he's putting his name down on something again. Yeah, and 
it's, it's, they do a lot of that echoing because there's another one where he he yells at the player so much that she cries. And when mm-hmm. she does the same mistake later, he holds himself in and it's just yeah. like. Yeah, and he is clearly furious, but he's holding himself in enough that she like, doesn't walk away in tears. And he's like, just work on that for next season. And she knows he's mad, but but yes. he's able to control it because he's he's learned. But and they play into that in the same game because in the final play of the game, she hits her cutoff man, which is the thing that she was failing to do. And I, I think it's more realistic. It isn't a complete like 180. I'm now a perfect person. It's just subtle changes. He's learned kind of to see past being this hopeless drunk. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the subject of the game, one of the things I loved about this movie was their restraint. Because so often in a sports movie, you get the players who are very good at one specific thing. Oh, yeah. And in the final game, you'll see each one of them do their one specific thing. And this is how they score points in that final game. And oh, my God, they've won You've it. You've been watching Mighty Ducks too much. <laughs> yeah. That like, And they do this in a lot of kids' movies or other sports movies. Major League comes to mind. Uh, but in this one, they're just good ball players. They, they, they do montage a lot, but uh, it's not like and, and one person developing a specific skill. It's them becoming well-rounded players and getting better at the game. Yeah, m- more of the things that come up aren't the, like their special tricks shots. It's their weaknesses. The, the one we mentioned earlier and with Kit, it's her inability to hit a curveball right which she also does at the very end and i think it's done by sheer anger that she hits <laughs> that ball um no but i think maybe part of that is the fact that they all of the actors were forced to learn how to play baseball they do all of the baseball there's only a couple I, times where it's a stunt I just person. look this up everyone does it except for gina davis i believe i think gina davis does a lot of it it's just there's a couple stunts she doesn't do but she had to learn they all had to learn baseball a lot of those like they would play in between when they weren't filming to get good at like they had to do boot camp gina davis the split she does was a stunt mm. performer because she could do the splits because like her on the ground is her she just couldn't slide into it like that giant uh. Oh, right. Okay. She could do the split, but couldn't slide into it. Yeah. I'm reading IMDb trivia. <laughs> and like all of the bruises, like they show that one woman with the huge bruise and they take Oh, the yeah. That's a real bruise. Oh, yeah. That looked real bad. But like, like all of the bruises and injuries they show and cut, those are all real things because they made them actually play baseball. You, you wouldn't so, last in that league. I would not. I would no. be purple. <laughs> she would be one giant, giant bruise. bruise. Uh, but uh, for people who haven't seen it for a while, there is a specific scene where a player is on a bench and they have an ice pack over this groove. They take it off and it is like the size of a grapefruit at least. I, and I, clearly I like bright and discolored. And it's it's amazing that that wasn't makeup. It was just it, a thing they did to film this thing. It, it was a real bruise and they decided to add it, which I think is kind of nice because like, one of the big things that is kind of a back and forth thing in this thing is them balancing kind of, oh, we're forced to be ladies, we're forced to that, and them just wanting to yeah. play baseball. Did yeah. They, but see, I, now, there was a big deal about that at the beginning because they had this, um, what's the word? But but They had an etiquette class. Yeah, they had the class, yes. and I was trying to think of Which the word was for another, the lady a real who teaches thing. it. But yeah, they had this class, and they'd make this big deal out of it at first. 
And then maybe halfway through when they go to that dance, they like go out even though they're not supposed to because they have all these rules. But other than that, I don't hear much about all of the rules and that side of it. It just became well, more about the they baseball. They do have the chaperone the whole time. That, right. <laughs> which I think uh, is great. And, and they to Sarah's them. previous point, I think a lot of that has been cut out and I don't think the film is worse for it. Yeah. No. And and part of the reason they put it in the etiquette thing was, was that was a real thing that was quite required during the real league. They had to go to etiquette classes. And yeah, like and they they specifically like if you're cutting down this film, they specifically have to go to the dance hall so that Marla can meet her husband. Mm-hmm. Who apparently in the cutscenes makes cheese. Oh. Well, that would be great for Marla. They do talk about that at some point, don't they? And that's but, I I don't recall. I don't know. But speaking of Marla, yes, she's one of the the this the, the second player other than the sisters that you meet, and she and her father are the greatest. He is so sweet and so supportive, and he like begs to get her put on the team, and mm-hmm. I love him and. Yeah, he, he is who, just a, a great supportive uh, father. I loved his... And I forget who he oh, was, he? but he was like the creepy guy. Oh, oh. But, in, but in this, well, he he's, not so in this. Sin- he's so sincere <laughs> in this. And he's, is he coach? He was uh, uh, Car- Carla's ex-husband. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you find a picture. If I'm thinking of, of the right guy you. here. I don't think you're thinking of the right guy. We're going to spend 10 minutes Googling this. We have to keep going. Just keep going. Uh, but I, I loved his comments about his daughter where, like, uh, he was – he said, like, if she was a boy, we wouldn't be living here. She would be on the Yankees knocking out of the park every night. Like, he understood her talents with baseball, and he just wanted one chance for her to prove herself and he talk- on, like, a major league. And he talks about, oh, you don't want her because she's not pretty enough. And it's never, he never makes it her fault. It's never anything about her. It's, mm-hmm. I raised her on my own. I did the best. It's my fault. And that whole speech she gives is so sincere and so heartwarming. And you know he just wants so, what's best for his daughter that he's struggled to raise because... He's a single parent that it's just, it's a great scene. It is a very touching scene. Yeah, though it's it's a complete juxtaposition how Marla is treated for like the rest of the film. Because when she's in beauty school or like they're doing the the old timey video oh, advertisements when they show her for it. Like, the, the, whole, the whole joke is, oh, she's ugly. <laughs> and, and they show yeah. her from like 10 miles away when everybody else There's gets the Marla. Ain't she a great hitter? But, so, but then she gets... Go Both ahead. she and I think Rosie O'Donnell's character get this moment where they realize it doesn't really matter what they look like. They deserve better because Rosie O'Donnell talks about she has this awful boyfriend and she says the only reason she keeps him around is because he's really the only one that ever asked her out and ever made her feel like a girl. Yes. And by I the wanted to talk end about of the that. movie, she has her own fan club and I love it. <laughs> I want to talk about that because that is one of the moments that is the the heart of this film where she is talking about her boyfriend, how she's with him, even though he treats her horribly because every other guy that she ever knew made her feel less than a human being because she was good at sports. And that's apparently not ladylike. 
And at that moment, surrounded by all of her friends, now playing this sport, letting her be a part of something, she rips up the photo and knows that she's never going back to that life. And by the end, she has these guys that are like calling to her from the bleachers being like, yeah, we love you. You're we're your number one fans that are doing it because she's good at baseball. Yeah, and, they and genuinely her the, like her for the things she likes. And it's there's a lot of really good. It's it's such a good movie about women in sports because it never gets to that moment where it feels like it's turned into an after school special because you get a lot of mm. those where like we're going to talk about issues and let me turn my chair around and talk about drugs yeah and you get those where they're trying to be like we're we're uh we're uh even like hollywood movies where it becomes an issues movie and suddenly it seems like an after school special it's like hey mm-hmm. kids don't do drugs or you'll end up dead or or something like if you if you are mean to women you'll be dead or something it's all you, like you wouldn't steal a policeman's helmet yeah like and i'm just like I, it, it don't even it, it didn't turn into something like that i think it was still very obvious i mean and that well, yeah. was that was the era what that was just how it was yes, but it was very obvious that they did not think of women as sports figures at the time, and they wanted them to right. be the dainty housewife, even though they yeah. were playing baseball. It's it's obviously dealing with gender roles, expectations at the time, mm-hmm. and these women being different. But it's never like like breaking the fourth wall and being like, "and this is bad." Right. <laughs> it's it's I never. I mean, I I appreciated them because you know at this time, yes, these are wonderful people who can play sports. But look at this; they can also sew and knit. And look at that; she's carrying plates. Oh, I have to say, I do love the old timey newsreels because yeah. they are the dumbest things in the world. Yes, and there's I always find them really funny in any movie yes. that they are. I just like putting in. on like the voice Ooh, and the, look here. Uh, what? Old-timey radio voice. <laughs> Gary Marshall is in charge of baseball. His candy bars are awful. <laughs> Don't eat these candy bars. You'll get cancer. But heck, we won't learn about that for 30 years. But apparently they're not dangerous to cows, so... <laughs> <laughs> Are we are we kind of off the subject yet? I don't even know where we are now. We're, we're not I, following a plot. We're just talking no, about the I, things we loved. In I have a note in my thing that just says "crying sax man," and it's from the scene where they go to the bar and Marla decides to sing because they they give her a dress and a lot of alcohol, and she decides to sing um, to this guy she likes. But Nelson. the band, Nelson, the cheese man, but the band is over in the corner and they just pan over to this saxophone player not playing his instrument anymore and just like crying because her singing is so bad. Although on that point, the music was really great. Well, and I like that jazz music anyway, but the swing and whatever from that era is fun. Oh, the dance fight. I love that dance yeah. fight. This was we not West about- Side Story. If we talk about... Oh, it might come up later. (laughs) In Hocus Pocus, there was an unnecessary music scene that it didn't matter because it was so awesome. This is an unnecessary dancing that doesn't matter because it's so cool looking. Yeah, it's really great swing dancing. Now, granted, it's just like one lady and two gentlemen fighting over, but it's really well choreographed. And I do like that it it gives some time for, well, they're cutting in and out to learn some of the backstories. Mm -hmm. And also... 
I loved Rosie O'Donnell's backstory with <laughs> She's her a bouncer. and uh, all the way Madonna. Uh, May. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I love that, like, well, she was a dancer and I was a bouncer at Dad's nightclub. And then we decided to get into sports together and that kind of worked out. Their like, relationship is the very story. sweet. And it's, it's, oh, and, like, they start the movie as, like, these bullies on the ball field who are trying to push other girls, like, away from them so that they can be the stars on the field and these girls are going to get cut. And it leads to one of my favorite scenes where they just, they throw the baseball at Gina Davis and she just catches it right in front of them, even though, like, all the other girls are dodging away. And it's one of those things that in the movies you talked about before, that would be used somewhere in the big game because it's this special move. But they yeah. never use it in that way. It's only used in a way to recognize, oh, yeah, this is Dottie. She's the only one who can catch a fastball with her hand. And it, it plays into her character so much. She's just like, oh, there's a ball to catch. I guess I'll catch a ball then. She's so nonchalant about everything. Yeah. Um, oh. We haven't even talked about John Lovitz. I w well, okay. I want to get into something that I noticed in this film, that it's kind of a retrograding reunion. Because we have uh, John Lovitz from Brave for Little Toaster. We have Gina Davis from Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. We have Gary Marshall from Hocus Pocus. Uh, there was another Penny one. Marshall, the director, was also in Hocus Pocus. Yes, she was. Rosie O'Donnell and Tarzan. That was the other one. Yes. We got, we got a lot of familiar faces. But yes, I love how rude and awful John Lovitz is and how unapologetic his character is. I mean, he is rude to them until they get to the ball field and then he just leaves and you yeah. never see him again. <laughs> you, you see old version of him at the very end and he's this tiny shrunken old man still with the giant cigar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the I would oh. not have recognized that as being that character except that he stood in front of the picture of himself with, with a cigar, cigar in his mouth. Mm -hmm. He he's really funny. And he has the he basically has the old tiny radio voice. He's got the eh. Well, he's played a radio. It's true. But so he it works really well as just so funny. Yeah, he has some of my favorite lines. Uh one of them is when they get on the trains, is like, Did you tell the cows that you write? I have one well, and then, down, and then they get to the baseball field, and he's when he's leaving, they ask where he's going, and he's like, "Oh, I hate it when they fall in love with me," or so, something <laughs> about how hard it is for them to let him go. Uh, he has, he, I loved his character, but he did have a really creepy moment where, like, he's trying to leave. Um, Kit was not on his roster to come on the train. He tells Kit she can come if her sister joins her. It's the only reason Dottie joins. But to test Kit out, he doesn't ever throw a ball. He just kind of, like, squeezes her arm for good two minutes to test, like, muscle tone. But it's it's kind of awkward in that, like, she's not going to tell him to stop because he's her ticket to get on the train. But he just keeps doing it. And it's weird. <laughs> Um, there is another one of the funny moments and also trivia is at one point he's talking to them in the barn and apparently the barn was a real barn. Those were like, there were more cows than just the cows you could see because apparently a cow was giving birth during the filming of that scene. So all the like loud mooing in the background was from that. And so it leads to him trying to deliver his raw lines and then just yelling, will you shut up to the cows? <laughs> Which is great because his delivery is pretty good. 
I mean, they hired John Lovitz to be John Lovitz and nothing else. And that's all you need him to do. If you want a misanthrope that'll talk in quips and be hilarious, hire John Lovitz. He's wonderful. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's let's talk about because we've we've gone around and we haven't talked directly about it. Let's talk about the central relationship in this film between Dottie and Kit. Because I talked in the beginning how their relationship, especially at the beginning, is the sibling rivalry that is so true to life. Where Kit is the second child, uh, her older sibling is great at pretty much everything without really trying, and Kit's. Tries her best, but is always second place. So, I am a second child, but my older sibling is a sister. So, I've never had that much competition with her because we're kind of... We never were into the same things, but Sarah may have input into this. (laughs) I have one sister. Uh, I have a sister. All right, sister. I have a brother. (laughs) I was like, you do not. (laughs) I I have a brother who is 17 months older than me. I relate to Kit Harrington in this movie a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. My sister and I are almost two years apart. And I find those where where you have siblings, same gender, very close in age is where you get those constantly doing the same activities having similar Mm -hmm. friends and you can't get away from each other to be your own thing and i think that's what's happening here and i think that's what they finally figure out in the very end when she gets traded to each other team because at first she hates it but when we see her again she seems like she's made friends she's really enjoying the team she's a part of something and i think it was they needed to be taken apart from each other to really be their own person I I would disagree a bit because the only time that they're on separate teams is the like the final playoffs, which we see like minuscule amounts of. And then they're both in the finals together. Um, And I think what she had is that her sister left it entirely like her sister went home. She finally felt like she could be herself on the ball field and she breaks down in the final game because her sister scores the two runs that puts the Peaches one run over Racine going into like the bottom of the ninth and kid is losing it. Like her, the players are telling her it's okay. We still got a shot. The coach is trying to tell her the same thing and she's having none of it. She's having a panic attack and completely upset. But I still think it started with her getting traded because she seems to, she talks about she's going to stay down in the town and she's made friends and they're going to find jobs together. So I think it's more than just the sister leaving. I think it was she needed to be completely separated from, because if she stayed on the peaches, even if Dottie left, she would still be Dottie's sister. I think it needed both of those things to happen. And and so we get that scene at the ending where it's the first time we really, I think what is really Kit's true character, because I think what we're seeing earlier than that is Kit at this emotional high constantly, because she's constantly feels like she's fighting the whole time. And so that end scene of them right after the finals where they can just calm down and talk to each other and really kind of work things out a little bit in their own way. They don't aren't super emotional people in the way of communication. I mean, Kit explodes a lot, but they don't really like talk about their feelings. I think that's the first time she's really herself at a normal level. Maybe that and maybe in the bar scene a little bit when she's like making out with that guy. Well, and what I thought was interesting... um... Dottie wanted to leave because what she wanted was to be the housewife and to have a family and raise kids. 
And Kit tells her, oh, there's plenty of time for that. You don't need to run away yet. And then, but somehow they're still mad at each other and Kit didn't want to play with her anymore. But then at the end, when they're at the Hall of Fame, Dottie is there with, what, one one daughter, one child? And Kit no, shows up there with, alone. like, six kids? Yeah, she, no, she went there by herself. The daughter stayed with the kids. Kit was there with her whole family. Yeah, Kit a shows up with a, a whole grand... bunch of kids after she had been trying yeah. to talk Dottie like out maybe... of leaving because Dottie wanted a big family, and now Kit has the big family after she stayed in this Well, board. I don't think she necessarily never said she wanted a big family. She just wanted to get all of her sports time out of the way first. Right. I just think it's interesting that Dottie purposely left to have a family, and she didn't end it's, up with that at the end. It's, it's possible she has more children she just is, was only living with the one and she's living with her because Bob had died the year before. Yeah. Now uh, it speaks to their characters. I mean, nobody's saying that Dottie didn't get what she wanted. She started a family. She has grandkids that we see at the beginning. And I think it speaks to Kit's character that throughout this entire like flashback, she's not ready to start a family. I think she just doesn't want to start a family in Oregon. She knows what that life looks like. Oh, because she, she says, doesn't want it. She says the one person who likes her there is like a step up from a cow, which leads <laughs> right. to the line, an important step up, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, and I think talking about the, in that scene where, where uh, Kit is like, oh no, why are you leaving now? There's time later. I think, once she finally hits that ball, that thing that her sister tells her, the whole time mm-hmm. she can't do, I think that's kind of a, a big turning moment. She wins the game, she she hits the ball, and she does all of this separate from her sister. She's not on the team. The sister isn't there backing her up, being her, her thing. I think maybe that's the moment where she's kind of had this vindication and can say, no, I'm okay with it now if you are there. Like, she's kind of gained her own independence at that point and says, no, I think I can do it now if you're on a different team. So this, this may be a fan theory. I want to, I want to talk about it because to me, it's something that makes the film great as to in this previously up until this point, Dottie's been playing catcher. She's great at it. Other players have run into her and she has thrown the ball into her glove so that she has the ball and that player is out. When Kit comes in, there is a shot of her getting knocked down. She has the ball in a bare hand and it rolls out of the hand so that Kit is safe and wins the game. Do you think now, she did on purpose? Yeah. That's that's I, I, had... I think it's a great measure of this film that we're not sure whether she does it on yeah. purpose. I think it's definitely implied that she could have. I don't think we'll ever really know. Right. Or I if would she love did it subconsciously. If it was, yeah, I would love that this was a purposeful act because the whole uh, conflict between the two sisters in this film is that Kit is constantly losing to Dottie. And it seems like Kit is saying, like, you win 999 times out of a thousand. You can't just give me one. I just want yeah. one. And in this final moment, it would be great if Dottie chose, you can have this one because you want it more than I do. Yes. And and I think they, this whole thing portrays a very true-to-life relationship of sisters. It portrays it at a time where they're not getting along very well. But I mean, in any three sibling relationship, there are times like that. And there's a scene earlier on when Kit's trying to run back to the house and Dottie just can't let her win. And every time she walks faster, Dottie walks faster. And I know not necessarily that, but my sister and I have done that where the one person is mad and is trying to 
well, I'm still going to pick at it. I'm going to pick at it to make them more angry because it's siblings and that's what they do. Yeah, let's have a contest where I'll be the clear winner. No, you shouldn't compete real. I just want to win this. <laughs> but yeah, I and mean... I, I like that Dottie passes that on to her grandchildren in some ways. Yes. She, when they're playing basketball at the beginning, she says, he's your little brother. Like he's little and then you need to take care of him. And then she says to the little brother to, to like, to kill him or something to destroy <laughs> yeah. him like and her her one word of advice to this tiny child for his older brother playing basketball is just kill him uh but i loved their relationship in this film another thing i loved in this film is that uh to me like there's a specific section of the film where these uh life magazine photographers are there to take some shots of the game and try to stir up interest into this new league because it's failing a little bit and they need good advertising. And to me, what this film portrays is how boring baseball is and that you have to jazz it up to get anybody interested in it. Well, that's why they put all the women in skirts. Yeah, and like, it's not a bad idea to like, Okay, the guys are going away. Let's try to remake baseball. Baseball is inherently a boring sport. It goes on far too long. The good plays are over in two seconds, and we're here for hours. How do we dress this up so it's more entertaining to watch? Oh, we'll put pretty ladies doing it. You've and made then, like, all the baseball fans mad. They're halfway through the season and they're like, well, that isn't quite working. I guess we we can't just watch pretty ladies do a thing for two hours and expect to be entertained. <laughs> so this is coffee. where. Well, like this is where Dottie puts in the splits or like she catches the ball behind her back. She puts in the, these little circus tricks that still help them win the game, but keeps people interested in this really boring sport. Which apparently so, the catching the ball behind her back, Gina Davis actually did. What? So what's interesting to me is she was the one that didn't want to be there yet. She's the one doing all these little tricks to make people want to watch it. And no I, one else did anything special. I think that's part of her character because she, she gets told before that, um, before like the splits and stuff, that they are on the verge of the league closing. And mm -hmm. she knows that that would be awful for all of the other people. She could go home to her family, but not all the other people could. And I think her thing is less about, oh, the baseball has to say because I love baseball. And, and more as being this older sister character, she's kind of, she does it to Kit and to everyone else where she feels like she has to protect them. And ah, so she's me, doing it to keep the league going. To me, this was another instance of we need the league to stay open. We need an entertaining thing. And her just going, oh, all right. Yeah, I can do that. And then just her taking care of it. Like there's a job to be done and she just does it. No qualms about it. No, she knows that she's fully capable. A lot of the things she does early on, she is like when she's talking baseball, she's very blunt and things like that. But she is trying to help her sister a lot of times. It's just mm. not what Kit wants to hear. Kit does not want to hear, hey, you're tired. You're not going to play anymore. Or, mm -hmm. hey, you can't hit that ball. You never hit that ball. You need to work on that. She doesn't want to hear that at the moment because she's angry and she's frustrated. But Dottie's not necessarily doing it a lot in that scenes out of a hurtful place. She's just very kind of straightforward in thinking, this will help my sister get better. And this will help the game. And this will help the other girls and stuff like that. We haven't even talked about one of my favorite characters, who's Tom not Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> no. Betty Spaghetti. It is 
if I can, it's, um, I don't remember his first name. It is Lowenstein. Oh, Ira sure. Lowenstein. So, uh, giving, before you go out, I'm just going to give context to the character. This is the guy who wants to be put in charge of the league. He is fighting to keep it going. And for the years that it is open, he is the, the sole guy, the proprietor, the guy who's pushing behind the scenes so that these girls can keep playing. He takes over when all of the owners are pulling out and Gary Marshall's like, I got important candy bar things to do. He's like, let me keep it going. And he talks about, he warns the girls and stuff like that. And in the end, when they're opening the Hall of Fame, the girls actually say, you're the one who kept this going and kept it alive when it should have died in the first season. You you cut the ribbon. And I thought that was a really nice moment. Oh, I mean, it is. But like I, my joke response to that, like he's not a museum employee. He's not allowed to do this. They have scissors for employees. You never have an employee do it. You have a famous person do it. Like, I don't know. Like the mayor. Uh, I don't know. Like, like <laughs> B-level stars who can't do anything, so they open, like, yogurt shops and, like, cut the ribbon for yogurt shops, and that's how they make money. That's fair. I mean, yes, it's a very nice moment. A lot of the, the end of this movie is very nice moments. Uh, for me, uh, as far as, like, a pacing issue, though, uh, I found that when Kit... And Dottie say goodbye to each other. We see her say goodbye to Tom Hanks uh, outside of the field with her husband and telling her, you know, we're going home. We're not going to be back next season. Uh, To me, that was where, like, the pacing stopped. That seemed like a natural end to the film. I understand that they bookended it in the beginning, so they have to bookend it at the end. But, like... The the emotion is gone after oh. that point. Like it's it's come to a natural conclusion. I'm the opposite. And so that ending part seemed to drag on a little bit. Mm. And like when they get into that Hall of Fame and they see like all the pictures of the past, that's where it picks me up again. Okay, that's what so I have that nostalgic feeling, like I said before, like at the end they're looking at themselves in the photos and trying to remember what the old days were like. And that the, part is good for me. I there I could see what you're saying. Like it did seem to go on during longer the baseball than it needed scene, to. It's it's kind but, of a necessary evil when you recast the characters that it was basically that scene before they get in the Hall of Fame is just reintroducing every character. Right. Um, but uh well, I guess you need that for the final picture at the end so that you understand yes. who these characters represent. I do like some of the thing like intri- like the the one I think they do very well for like reintroducing a character older is Stillwater Angel. Yeah, Stillwater Angel. Good God, what an awful child. <laughs> and I like that he has this moment of being this awful child that everyone hated and Tom Cruise beams in the head with a Tom Cruise? <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise! Cruise. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, Tom Cruise. Sarah Tom is recasting he this shows movie. up out of nowhere, proclaims Scientology, punches a child in the face, and runs off screen. Was he a Scientologist in 92? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, he was Tom founding Hanks the church. Beams him in the head with a, um, a glove. But there's this moment of him being a calmer adult coming back and saying saying something about his mother who at this point has died and said this this was a moment that she really enjoyed and and kind of seeing him as not a terrible terrible monster who crashed a bus <laughs> and made the driver quit in the middle of oh nowhere. and led to the terrible makeout scene 
Yes. Oh, though, this led to an actual thing I had to look up. Because, like, when Tom Hanks decides to get back in the bus and he's driving and whatnot, he turns to their the person, uh, their chaperone lady, is like, I loved you in The Wizard of Oz. And I had to look up whether or not this was actually Martha Hamilton. No, no, no. It's a very long time. But it does I look... I know. It... it does look a lot like her character at the beginning of the film. Yes. And it does lead to a running joke throughout the movie where when Tom Hanks starts being a nicer person, he keeps doing terrible pickup <laughs> lines to her, which I think is hilarious. Because he's he's learned to be part of the baseball family and he's just like, hey, looking good. And she's traumatized because she got made out with by a guy who was asleep. The bus crashed. She got poisoned. <laughs> she did. They were pretty awful to her. They were pretty awful to her. And I want to say Penny. Penny Marshall is not very nice to her daughter. Which one was her daughter? Uh, oh no, it wasn't. Yeah, because oh her... no, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> no. Okay, so Penny Marshall's daughter, Tracy Reiner, um, played Betty Spaghetti, and terrible uh, things happened to Betty Spaghetti. That's true. Oh, uh, there, there's the scene where she gets the telegram from the army that her husband has died, but I. I love slash hate it the guy who is delivering the telegram because oh. he doesn't have the name of who to deliver it to. And oh, so he's, he's just awful. kind of talking to himself when everybody can hear them. He's like, oh, gosh, these telegrams are awful, huh? It, it'd be nice if the army could send an actual person to tell you that your husband had died but in a room full of women whose all husbands are at war. It's It's another one of those very nice, subtle moments to show that Tom Hanks is becoming part of the team, is caring about the team now because he shoves him out of the room and just takes it and like takes him out the door and gives it to her and kind of keeps the, doesn't let them settle on it too long. Cause so he's mm. not, he's not going to sit there and let her cry on his shoulder, but he makes that effort to get that terrible man out of the room. Yeah, uh, for me, it was a great moment in this film because there are a lot of moments where in this league with this team, they're fine, they're, kind of having a, a utopia. They're getting paid actual wages. They're able to pursue a hobby that they all love. And like, it's this wonderful world where these women can be themselves, some of them for the first time in their entire lives. And the world of men is encroaching on them at very specific points in this movie. And you're right, Tom Hanks stands up for them is, and knocks this guy out of the room and tries to keep this other world, the outside world away and yet, you know, the the letter still has to be delivered. Yeah. This note that ruins the life of one of these women in this utopia still has to happen. Poor Betty. And at the end of the film, we learned that this utopia died because it had to die at this time and only lasted a certain number of years. Like, I, I forget the actual dates on the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, but I think it was less than 10 years. It, it goes up into the 50s. It might have... Mm, I'll look at it later. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you at some point later. It'll randomly come out and know. But yeah, that's part of the reason that all of these old women are looking back on this time is because this was a utopia for them. And it's a time that has passed for them. This wonderful bubble that they were all living them living within has collapsed. And they would love to go back and experience that time again. Okay, it was... 43 till 54, so it's 11 years. 
Okay, slightly over a decade then. All right, well, uh, we've reached the the end of the film. Uh, one final note that I had is hey. that their final picture made me tear up, where they get oh, yeah. the original Peaches together in the Hall of Fame, and they take one last photo, them knowing they most likely will not see these ladies again. This is the last time they're all going to be together. I have one bit of more bit of trivia that I just found when I was looking that up. All right. That song they sing? Yeah. Is that an actual song? Yeah, it's the, I think it's the real league song. Yeah, that makes sense. Was the official song of the All-American Girls Baseball League. Better off. So that makes more sense that there's this random song that they're singing. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't understand why that was there. I thought it was just to make Madonna sing for part of the show. (laughs) Well, yeah, and like Rosie O'Donnell has a voice as well and she helps out. And like, yeah, I I thought it was a nice thing, but it makes sense to have this historical song in a movie specifically about that historical event. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I didn't know that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Any final notes? I think that's all. Then let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, where we put together two or more properties, shove them together in the form It's This Meets This to describe this movie. So I'm going to start us off uh, telling you guys what A League of Their Own is in that form. So since this is a film about starting a new league with unconventional players complete with non-believers and a through line of family drama and a film about a team of women in story roles usually played by men showing gender ultimately makes no difference and they can get just as dirty as the boys it's field of dreams meets bridesmaids okay i did not see you where you were going with the first one but okay um because this is a baseball movie with an unconventional player or players and a world war ii tiny film set on the home front it is the rookie meets my dog skip (laughs) (laughs) oh dear okay it's the only one i could think of oh all right you only had one well now since carl no i have two she has two has since carl stole one of mine i'm trying to decide if i want to go with that one or do another one and try to steal your next round (laughs) Ooh. so um it's it's a baseball movie where adults are remembering their younger days and it's also a movie about sisters who get along at first, have a fight, one runs away, and then they reconcile their differences in the end. We have The Sandlot meets White Christmas. <laughs> okay. uh, I did have The Sandlot down, but I did not end up using it. So you've, you've taken that one. All right. Uh, so this is a sports movie where the player with the most drive and heart for the game is constantly overlooked but manages to make a big play in the final game of the year. And a quotable female sports movie where the players basically coach themselves, where the leader continually considers quitting. It's Rudy meets Bring It On. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) But I picked it for a different reason. Okay. So because this is a female sports movie where your main character's team doesn't win. Ah. And because it is a movie about sisters with issues, it's Bring It On meets Frozen. Oh, 
I've never oh. seen Frozen. <laughs> I just know they're sisters. Well, you know what? I've never seen Heaven Bring It On, so I guess sister. we're even. Who comes between me and my picture? That's Mark's choice. It is, kind of. Uh, okay, so my second one. Uh, part of the movie takes place on a farm where we learn of a family with relationship issues, but they bond and are reunited through love of baseball. And a movie where women are proving they can be strong in the face of adversity and take matters into their own hands despite society, a.k.a. men, trying to put them in their place. And it also starred Gina Davis. We have Field of Dreams meets Thelma and Louise. For some reason, I thought that first one was going to be Interstellar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a baseball movie in space. No, you said it takes place on a farm and it deals with family issues. I mean, that is Interstellar. Well, Mark has never seen Interstellar, so. Uh, it's, It's not bad. It's, well, I wanted to say it's his best film. Anyway, uh, my final one. There is a bookcase. It's a very important book book case. It translates or transverses universes and timescapes. It's a very important bookcase. Anne Hathaway has a real dumb speech. Uh, a small town girl dreaming of the big leagues and a cantankerous coach eventually bonding to get to the top game of the year and a film that starts and ends in the present with a player visiting the past in between. Also, a player of the team who strikes out a lot, hitting a home run to win the game at the end of the film. It is Million Dollar Baby meets Kid in King Arthur's Court. Oh. <gasps> That's a movie I forgot existed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our second game, which is alternate tagline. A phrase you would see on the poster for this film that kind of describes the theme, but hopefully misses the point. All right. Um, starting. A, oh, let's start with the actual ones, because I wrote down some of them. Uh, there was four of them. These are the best two. Hey, wait, I just uh, thought of, a, just really thought of another one. Too. Okay. Uh, did anybody else look this up? Would anyone else like to do one? Nope. All right. You, I'll do the one you can easily imagine first. Um, it's one that I nearly wrote down until I realized it was an actual thing. Uh, it's a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball. Uh, the other one I liked was a league of their own. A woman's place is on home. First, second, and third. Yeah, that one's clever. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right. Uh, well, why don't you guys start this one off? Let's start with uh, Sarah and then loop between me and Mark. I just thought of another one. Oh, okay. So now so I've got Start two. us off. Yes. A league of their own. These players go all the way. <laughs> uh, well, one of them <laughs> certainly does. <laughs> all right, Mark, what do you have? So I actually wrote this down before I found out what the real ones were. But it's not exactly the same. All right. A league of their own. There's no sexism in baseball. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, a league of their own. From washing dishes to stepping up to the plate. Wah, wah. Wah, Thank you. Wah. All right. A league of their own. Baseball, women, and drunks. <laughs> yep. Describes the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, yes. Great. Yep. All right. <clears throat> A league of their own. During wartime, women of Rockford at home prove that everything is just peachy. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to love this one. Um, 
<laughs> a League of Their Own, a real rags to pitches story. Thank you. All right. Wah, wah. <laughs> All that's, right I've, that's just I've the pun noise got, now. I've only got two more. Ooh. All right. <laughs> a League of Their Own, grooming to become the bells of the ball game. <sighs> that wasn't even the team we followed. That's the one Kit gets transferred to. What? what? It's the racing Oh, though. yeah. Okay. Is it really? All right. Yeah. Uh, and A League of Their Own, proving baseball is boring no matter who's playing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and all, all right, the baseball go. fans stopped listening to our show. Mark, I guarantee they already aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go on to our final game, which is the TV Guide game, a description of the plot of the film you would see in a TV Guide or Netflix description, uh, though once again, hopefully missing the point. All right. Well, why don't we continue our rotation? Mark, why don't you start us off? Hmm, I have to choose. Finding no competent men willing to take on a thankless job, the newly founded Women's Baseball League hires a hapless drunk to fill the role. (laughs) That's just the movie. (laughs) A film about the origins of a historical feminine sports league is completely overshadowed by one team's sibling rivalry. My first one's shorter, but similar. Two sisters' rocky relationship affects an entire sport. (laughs) As the nation's men go off to war, hundreds of women try out for the new ladies' league. But don't take my word for it. That's just a ballpark figure. That's my, like, safety word We had to listen to all of your taglines. (laughs) You sure did, and you complained through most of them, so I'm going to (laughs) complain through yours. All right. A farm girl living her ideal life is guilted into leaving her home and doing physical labor in different towns across America, continually underappreciated by the person who begged her to be there. Eventually, she returns home, having not changed at all during the course of her journey. Sorry. (laughs) We left time there for the audience to clap for you. Yes. Um, A group of women help an injured man recover from addiction. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i mean you can't yeah. say it's wrong I, yes all um, right yes uh well let's go I, on I, uh, oh i am sorry <laughs> please continue i have one more thank you uh okay two sisters find each other years after having a falling out due to their shared interest of baseball but they are finally able to touch base <gasps> oh why why do you do, do this to us? I'm not going to do the noise again, but know that I'm doing it in my head. Yeah, I a thousand times, yes, I'm playing that noise. <laughs> I, I, You know that that's the reason you get to hear those is because of that noise. Oh, goodness. We need a All button, right. like a, uh. one of those easy buttons, but it just does the wah, wah noise <laughs> for every time there's a bad pun. I mean, I could, no, I, I was going to say I could put in a sound effect, but that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> no, we just need a button. All right. What was that uh, show let's... where they grab people with a hook and pull them off the stage? I don't oh, know. the gong Va- show. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you mean vaudeville, Mark? <laughs> were, you saying, were you thinking about vaudeville, that show? All right. Uh, let's go on to our reviews. Our first review scale will tell you about the emotions you will feel in this movie in terms of our emotional relationship with potatoes. So what do you guys have? What is a league of their own in terms of potatoes? Hmm. 
No one wants to go first this time. Mark, no. why don't you start us off? I have a feeling that Sarah's and I's reviews are similar. going to be very similar. So, um, well, we talked about this a little bit earlier that my opinions were apparently slightly different than yours. Yes. S- slightly. Um, yes. I was trying to come up with a new potato for it, Ooh. but I couldn't think of anything good enough. Is there some sort of a baseball potato? <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> I was, I, well, I, I wanted to say moldy potato, but that just <laughs> Oh, no! <laughs> so, so... We already have potatoes with eyes! It's true. So, I guess what I, the, my very first thought when I was thinking of this was the sweet potato, which means not as expected, because when I first started this movie, the, the very first scene is in the present day, well, the present day of the time of filming, I guess. Of nine. Well, it or, takes place in 1988. In the, yeah, in the 80s. And the film came out in 92. And so technically, it's slightly in the past. So I'm look, I'm watching this scene, and I was like, I swear this movie was supposed to be about World War II, and I thought I was watching the wrong movie because I didn't realize that it went to a flashback for the rest of it. So, and then I remember that I liked this when I was younger, but I just could not get invested into it this time. So I, I went with the sweet potato, not as expected, um, I, I, it does have a little bit of our gold potato where you start like that we made up for, for, uh, Mighty Ducks, where you mm-hmm. feel proud about sporting events. But I just, for me, was more the sweet potatoes because I was expecting that I was really going to like it and it ended up just not being what I thought it would be. All right. Well, I'm going to disappoint Mark by going in a completely different direction. <laughs> Surprise. Um, I think this is a great film. Um, I think a lot of its emotional notes still hit the way that they were intended to when it was released. Perhaps the things that have aged the most are the sexism in it, but it's also set in a past where those sexist values would have been held true. Uh, So I don't know if I can super fault it for that. I mean, all the character actors in the film are doing their best. They hired a music professional not known for her restraint to come be in this film, and she's not out of place. She fits in perfectly with her character and doesn't overshadow the stars of this film. And Rosie O'Donnell, who's known for being kind of over the top, is pretty subdued as well, I think. Yeah, I I don't I can't think of a better example of a Five Guys fries. I think everything this film tries to do it accomplishes in strides. I love this movie. So you will love this movie. It's a Five Guys fries. I I'm pretty close. I do give yeah. it a mashed potato as well because sure. And then I would give it a steak and shake fries, which is, is that what we get for the second level fries? That is second yep. level. So what prevents it from getting to a five guy? Too much baseball. <laughs> <laughs> this movie about baseball has just too yeah, much baseball. A movie not... where they cut out all the baseball <laughs> except for the exciting things that never happen in actual baseball. No, like I love this movie, but it's a, an out of genre movie for me. I'm not a sports movie person. I even at times I'm like, oh, remember the Titans? That's a slog. There's so much football in between the motivational speeches. Um, (laughs) There's too much football in between the car crash and the end of the film. (laughs) And I do think there are there's some 
some slow moments and things like that. But I, I think it's less of what it doesn't it does wrong or anything, or just more like there's other movies I like better because this is an out of genre film for me. But but it's like barely on the edge. It's like if you took Five Guys fries and Steak and Shake fries and mixed them together, that's what it is. I mean, I might still call it like a Five Guys fries. It's somewhere like right on the tipping point for me because I love this movie. I think this is for the fact that Gina Davis is the lead character. It doesn't feel like those supporting characters are unnecessary. They are still, all of them have distinct personalities and usefulness. I think this is, for some of the actors who are really famous, this is some of their best performance they've given. Like we talked about Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and stuff like that. Really, really great, subtle, just lovely performances. I, I think it's really nice. And I think the relationship stuff just really holds up and it's great. Everyone should watch it. All right, that brings us to our second scale, which is a rewatchability scale from zero to ten, telling our listeners should they go back and watch this. I give it a nine, nine point two five. So yeah, I I might actually go higher. So the the only ten I believe I have given was for Homeward Bound, which is uh, a movie that didn't age because it's about cats and dogs, and those yeah. relationships never change. I don't think this film has aged just because we don't spend a lot of time in the present and it clearly establishes the present before flashing back to the past. And while that present is at whenever the Hall of Fame opened for these women, that that could be the present of now. Uh, it's kind of timeless in that way. And it's going a, back... It's a bunch it's of going, grandmas and mom jeans. Yeah, That's it's today. going back to like... <laughs> Uh, I couldn't care less about sports, but I still love this time where like baseball was new and it, it, it was the heart of the baseball before, well, a little after it got completely commercialized, but it certainly got worse. Before since everyone then. started doing drugs. Yeah. So like that era is a fun era to go back to. And it points out all the problems of that society at that time while still making it seem fun. So I, I am going to go at 10. I think this is on the level of a homeward bound for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mark's the odd one out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mark, so, go ahead and be the low end outlier here. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, uh, this is a movie that gets referenced a lot in pop culture anyway. Um, and so I think it it's it's hard for me to say because even though I didn't necessarily get that invested into it or get emotionally involved until maybe heartless. the very end, uh, I think it may not be the case for everyone. So while the potato scale kind of reflects my personal views of it, I feel like this one, as a watchability scale, I still think people should watch it at some point, but I would not rate it as highly as some of the other movies we have seen. So, I mean, with with all of that, I would probably give it a six and a half. You're dead to us. Yeah, I that's well, I forget what you gave Homeward Bound, but Tara and I, Sarah and I were tied on a 10 for that movie, and you also did not go. It's that still high. not the highest I gave because I did give a 12 to let me, Christmas. Well, Carol. interestingly, let, let I think it's funny here. because I feel like this one was not even really a sports movie. While Sarah's complaining about too much sports in it, 
I felt not, like it not was a whole more lot. about I the just, emotions of it anyway, so it wasn't really a sports you, movie to me. Okay. That thing that I don't Carl's, know what you mean by it's not a sports movie, because it sees it sees a team form at the beginning of the movie, follow them through to the championship game of the season. This is a sports movie. Whatever Carl said about that terminology of what Sharona from Monk couldn't do, I don't know what he was saying. Sharona I, from Monk. What, what was what that, that thing she, she was the blonde. My Sharona. Got, oh, she what was, are we doing? Wasn't she, I, knew, I knew her face from somewhere. <laughs> but when she got yelled at by Tom Hanks oh, and she for doing something, yes. I don't know what she did. She, and I don't know what you were saying. Uh, all, okay. I'm going to explain cutoff men <laughs> to you. But I, everyone listening, we're going to take a break from the podcast as I explain to Sparrow what a cutoff man is. Okay. <laughs> in baseball, you have people in the outfield. Now, those yeah. people in the outfield have to get the ball back into the infield, particularly in that final yeah. play. She had to get it from the outfield to the catcher. Now, that I understand. You do not throw it from the outfield to the catcher because it takes too long. The quicker okay. way to do it is you make a chain of people, meaning Someone's going to meet you halfway. Someone stands on the edge of the infield, usually the second baseman, and that's your cutoff man. You throw it to them. They throw it to the catcher. The catcher gets also the ball quicker. Also because you may not be able to get it all the way to the catcher from the outfield, and then it's just Got bouncing it. around. Okay. Right. All right. You. Now we're back in the podcast, and I, I do want to <laughs> say here real quick, uh, Mark, I respect your opinion. I want to be clear to our audience. You're not wrong. You're expressing a different opinion to me, and that's the point of the podcast. So thank you for doing that. You are good. welcome. I'm just going to purposely <laughs> say the opposite of both of you for every episode now. Yes, just because... you can be the devil's advocate of the show. <laughs> that means that's he likes fine. Woody Allen. Uh, I did oh, not God. see that. I wasn't oh, God, in that no. episode, though. <sighs> All right, uh, so we're going to close the show out here. Thank you for sticking with us as I explained to Sarah some baseball that I know. <laughs> but we are going to close it out here with the final segment, which is, guys, no. I learned something. No, we're oh, not. Oh, come on. <laughs> would, you, would you like to know how to find us on the internet? I already know how to. <laughs> I sure don't. <laughs> anyway, since Carl is wrong... I'm going to tell you, you can find us on Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. You can find each other at Retrograding Party Line. Our website is retrograding.fireside.fm. And you can also find us at iTunes under Retrograding. Um, leave us a like, comment, or a share. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her on SoundCloud at Dominique A. Barnes if you'd like to contact her or know more. Now, we're going to go on to our final segment, yes. which is, guys, I learned something today. Now you can. A lesson that I learned from uh, one of Tom Hanks's character's autographs to a child is simply, don't get the clap. Now, that's something we can take home and think about over the weekend. Uh, so that's going to close out the show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time. playing basketball just kill him
How does this keep happening? I don't know. Speaking of killing your siblings. It's on mute. How do I? Oh, no, it's not on mute because they replaced all the phones. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to refix it. Oh, goodness gracious. I'll fix it after. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fine. Cut Um, it. Cut everything. (laughs) Start over at the beginning. No, God, no. All right. Gives me time to get a snack. Snacking. A snacking. Is that going in the bloopers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>